want to say this because I really fucking like Dobie and it's cute, but like Loki kind of like Dobie from Harry Potter. I think his name is Dobby. Dobby? I think so. Bitch, I don't fucking know. I need fast Lauren, yeah. Ring, ring. It's your girl Sonali and Jenks. And this is Pass the Salt. Episode number 10. 10. It's a our, big milestone for us. Our baby is double digits. I know. <laughs> so for today's meal. Okay, we were both really craving wings, but as you guys already know, I am gluten-free now. So I found this awesome place that makes baked wings. So they're all gluten-free and they make boneless wings because, you know, Jinx and I are a little bit of pussies when it comes we're, to... <laughs> we're just a little picky when it comes to boning. I just don't like to eat super messy. Um, but yeah, so we got we got um, a five wing combo, boneless wing combo, and it came with like potato wedges, a drink, and a side of our choice, like a dip of our choice. And I got like the hot jerk chicken. It's supposed to be one of their spicier ones. So I'm really excited. It smells so good. And then I got their um, Mike's rub. It's like Mike's hot rub or something like that. It's a dry rub. And then I got um, some buffalo sauce on the side. And then it comes with potato wedges as well. So we both got those. Yeah, this place is located on Melrose. They have, like, they don't just have wings. They have sandwiches, hot Mm -hmm. chicken sandwiches. They have salads. They have, like, literally a whole menu of, like, options to choose from. So if you don't like wings, I guarantee you there's something there you will like. Yeah. And it's a healthier option. The entire place says their sodas are even healthy. And it was pretty simple. Like, we ordered it over DoorDash, and then we drove over there to pick it up. And there's, like, a takeout menu on the side. So we didn't even have to go inside. Side. We hardly had to talk to anybody. We just kind of told them our order and they just handed us our stuff. So yeah. I'm very happy about the convenience factor. It was great. Should we try it? Yes. It's spicy. I will say the spicy level isn't too bad. I've definitely had spicier wings, but the flavor is amazing. I can't even tell that it's baked. Like it tastes just like wing stop wings mm-hmm. i definitely agree i think it's very good i got the rub so i don't have like a sauce on my wing so it does taste a little um it is dry but when you dip it into the buffalo sauce it is so delicious and i will definitely be getting this i think i rate this a 9.2 out of a 10 like i will crave this in the future mm, and their potato wedges are really good <laughs> honestly yeah i'm with you i give this like a 9 out of 10 but in our defense, we really don't try a lot of wing places. If we're comparing this to Wingstop and it's a healthier alternative, definitely I'm going to give it a 9. Yeah, 100% I agree. Well, episode 10 is a big one. I know, it's the start of spooky season, so you know we had to give you guys a good little conspiracy. Yes. Any guesses? I'll give you guys a couple seconds. You are correct. <laughs> we are talking about aliens. <laughs> Extraterrestrial phenomena. Extraterrestrial beings. beings up in the sky. They could be from Mars. They could be from Saturn. They, they could be from, from a different Ur-war. universe. Who fucking knows? <laughs> they could be from the future. Son and I are both super fucking excited about this topic. Yeah, I I love 
anything alien related. It's funny because I used to be so scared of aliens. And then, I don't know, recently, like a couple years ago, that switched. And now I'm like super fascinated by them. I think it's because I know the world ending now. And like we don't have a planet that's going to really last for the next couple generations. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I kind of like the idea of aliens now. Come take me. Come take me. I'm ready. <laughs> Just make sure it's a hot alien who comes get me. <laughs> I don't I care think- what kind of alien it is. As long as they're nice. Yeah. And they give me their cool powers. But if you guys don't already know, earlier this year, the Pentagon released documents about what they knew about aliens. This was part of the COVID relief package. Yeah. So um, in the coronavirus relief package um, required the Department of Defense to basically deliver these unclassified reports on UFOs to Congress. And we were, like, really anticipating this. Like, I was really excited. I was like, finally, we get to know some facts. We can hear, like, what they come from, what they look like. I was, like, fully expecting to be, like, exactly what I hoped and dreamed for with all the descriptions, all the cases that we've heard about, everything. And then, like, months later, Son randomly was like, um, we haven't really heard too much about these fucking files that got released. What the fuck? Yeah, and then we fucking look it up, and what does it say, Jinx? It's what the hell? It's basically deemed inconclusive because the government technically did not have enough evidence to prove that it was a UFO. That's so nice. But sounds like a bunch of baloney to just me. Just a bunch of baloney. But I do know that there were two reports. One is declassified. The other one is classified. The one that they gave to the public was declassified. So now I'm like, what the hell does this classified report actually say? Because they can't squash aliens and extraterrestrial origin when it comes to UFOs that we see around the nation. But then what is this classified report that we're not allowed to see? Like, what kind of information does that have that they don't want the public knowing? Yeah, exactly. Like, they have contacted aliens? (laughs) Or have they touched an alien? (laughs) They've met an alien. (laughs) His name is Bob. (laughs) He's from Venus. Oh, that's kind of cute. Yeah, he's like pink. Oh. That's what I imagined. (laughs) See, I'd go home with an alien like that. Take me. (laughs) Pink with one eye. Pink with one eye. As long as he's like, he got a pink smiling. eye. <laughs> His name is Pink, pink Eye. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Um, but on the report, they do talk about having 144 total cases, and 80 of those cases are corroborated with multiple sources. Um, and 11 of those cases were witnessed by, you know, military warplanes. So. You know, that says a lot. Yeah. You know, because it's like, if you can't say it's not true, and we have a ton of witnesses that have also encountered a lot of these cases that they kind of like briefly discuss on that report. It's a nine-page report. And when you hear nine pages, you're like, okay, this is going to be good. It's going to be detailed. And then you read it and you're like, this is a bunch of baloney. This is a bunch of like walking around the truth instead of addressing it. But then they, they break down what, objects quote unquote possible objects they are they have airborne clutter (laughs) oh my god airborne clutter aka bitch birds balloons drones and (laughs) balloon birds birds are fucking clutter get that shit out of the way (laughs) so now 
Damn, we'd be taking birds out of their homes too. <laughs> like, what the fuck? They're, they're, it's not like it's their natural habitat or anything. They're just fucking clutter. <laughs> um, they also deem one of the possibilities being natural atmospheric phenomena, including, quote, ice crystals, <laughs> okay, moisture, and thermal fluctuations that may register on some infrared and radar systems. Yeah, because fucking ice crystals look like flying saucers and go at inhumane speeds that makes sense oh my god i can sleep better now the u.s it is debunked another possibility is that it's u.s developed technology uh classified technology developed by the u.s or its industry partners yet they don't have any top secret admissions that any of this technology is related to so that's a reach it could also be other, which is catch-all for encounters where there isn't enough information to determine categorization, which could include unidentified aerial phenomena of extraterrestrial origin. So, all in all, their fucking report was very, exactly that, inconclusive. <laughs> but it's, it's just a whole bunch of everything up in the sky. So. I mean, I'm not surprised it's our government. <laughs> it's, a, it's out there if you guys want to go look it up, but I'm going to just tell you, it's not worth reading. <laughs> yeah. It's Save really me time. <laughs> Just listen to the rest of this podcast. I think you'd get a lot more information that way. We decided to give you um, a couple stories that kind of shaped the alien conspiracy that we know today. Two really, really big um, alien encounters that are really widely known, but also kind of not really known. Yeah. I mean, it just depends on where you really pay attention. That's true. <laughs> if you're into conspiracies, you probably know this, but if you don't, you probably are not into conspiracies or aliens. I, like, don't obsess over conspiracies, but I think they're very interesting, and I didn't know about this one. Especially alien conspiracies, because it's, I feel like aliens are the things that are, like, good amount of people <laughs> probably believe that aliens are real, especially, like, within the past couple years. And I feel like now people are more welcome to the idea of aliens, and they're, like, it's less taboo to talk about it. So I feel like people already kind of just look at the government like, you're fucking lying, we know you are. Yeah. And they just kind of brush it off. But I think they're really interesting because, A, I like to see how much, like, the government really does to keep this shit under wraps, you know? Like, that that makes me really sketched out. Yeah, how shady they are. How shady they are. But then it's like, okay, so then what did they find? And is this, like, where is the truth? Because, you know, like, these stories are old and they're... It's like the game of telephone like you tell it so many times like it eventually changes but i'm like what which part of it was real because if you listen to a lot of different alien stories they're all different you know yeah, I mean? like they'll have always... similar elements to it but like the people the way people describe aliens are all a little different mm -hmm. you know yes and it's like are there multiple alien species species and like why the hell are they here and we can't ever find them yeah. Then why like, are we like the dumbass museums that they visit? <laughs> <laughs> For real. Maybe that's why they keep it a secret because like they know like we're probably on the lowest bottom part of the totem yeah. pole. <laughs> Look at these fucking motherfuckers fighting each other. <laughs> like, we could just snap our fingers and kill them all. <laughs> <laughs> Look at these fucking stupid ass hoes like ruining their fucking planet killing each other. Like what the fuck? Electing corrupt officials on as president. <laughs> these guys are really far from the plan. <laughs> they need help. <laughs> Look, kiddos, this is what you shouldn't do. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, we're going to Earth. Ew, why? <laughs> Earth is ghetto. <laughs> Seriously, though, if we don't have technology to take us to other planets and galaxies, we probably are really ghetto compared to these other <laughs> aliens. Or they're just really good at hiding. 
Either or. One or the other, yeah. So what what are we talking about today, Jinx? What what is this incident to this UFO to- sighting? Today Cardi B voice. Oh god, no. <laughs> to- no, no. We're talking, I am talking about Betty and Barney Hill. Um who are they? They are a mixed race couple who were Ooh. leaders in the civil rights movement and Oh, heroes. Mhm. And this encounter, they were very um forward in their um thinking and this was the first like alien encounter that like kind of went viral so to speak it kind of shapes a lot of what we know about aliens today okay um and we can get into that so this was september 19 1961 so about 60 years ago fuck and um (laughs) i know so far so far ago. Isn't it crazy to think so that like ago. kids like millennial, well not millennial, we're millennials, mm-hmm. like Gen Z like think the 90s was like such a long time ago and we think of it as like, oh yeah, that was just yesterday. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Anyway, So <laughs> Betty, Betty and Barney Hill were on a vacation to Niagara Falls, um, Toronto area and they were going to spend a final night in Montreal but instead they decided to take um, they just were like, oh, let's just go home now and decided to drive seven hours home. Mm. Um, so on the way back, they stopped at a diner to get some food and when they left, they like noticed it was 10 p.m. So they just started driving and they weirdly started noticing a weird, like a light in the sky that was brighter than others. And um, the more they looked at it, the more they like thought that it was following them. And so they used um, binoculars to try and see what it was. And they just, like, couldn't fucking figure Casually it. pull out their binoculars Literally, from did, their purse. They just had them in the trunk. Like, here, babe, look at this fucking light in the sky. <laughs> I mean, I guess they were, like, traveling and they were probably sightseeing. Yeah, and I, I would... I I mean, I would imagine, like, at Niagara Falls, like, you would want binoculars or some shit. Whatever. I wonder if Gen Z even know what binoculars are. <laughs> Um, so on their way back, they stop at a natural rock formation called Indian Head, and this is in New Hampshire, and they felt something weird, like whoosh, over their car, and then they stop, um, to look, and they see a fucking craft hovering over the field. What the heck? Yeah. how, How high up? Um, it wasn't, like, it was just, like, enough for Barney to see over, like, the field. Oh. Yeah. And, um, and then, so it wasn't, it was close enough to Barney where he could see like beings looking at him. Oh. Yeah. Um, and then, so he panics and he like literally takes off down the highway and then he starts sensing that it's following them. Okay. Like, can you imagine the panic? Like I cannot. Oh my God. So they're driving down the road and he's like trying to run from them. Barney is. And, um, the spacecraft hovers above them they start hearing this buzzing noise and feel like a weird like tinge in their body. And then 30 miles down the road, they come to consciousness and realize they're in Ashland and they get home two, three hours later than expected. Where's Ashland? Ashland is 30 minutes south from um, Indian Hill, Indian Head. They drove past the last conscious place they were at. So they were at Indian Head. They saw this encounter. They were running from the the spacecraft. And then all of a sudden, they hear like this buzzing noise. And then they come to consciousness 30 miles down the road than where they originally were. So they lost track of time. Exactly. Yeah. So they get home. 
two, three hours later than expecting. And so as they're like unpacking the car, Betty notices that like her dress is torn, Barney's shoes are scuffed, and even their watches, bitch, this is the weirdest thing, even their watches stopped at identical times. Whoa. Yeah. That's some paranormal shit. Yeah, that shit was crazy. And so um, they call Betty's sister's neighbor, who's a physicist, for some insight. And um, he basically suggests that they put like a compass over their car to see if there's any weird like magnetism, right? So on their car, there's bright spots over their trunk. And so they, when they go to put their compass on their car, the compass starts spinning. What do you mean there's bright spots? Um, so on like the hood of their car, they're just like lightened areas. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so they put the compass on that. And, and then the compass starts, starts out. spinning. Yeah. Because there's some weird magnetism there. Like I knew. He was like, this ain't my first alien encounter. I know what to expect. Exactly. The physicist. <laughs> they went to the like, right person. Hell yeah. Um, and then about 10 days later, um, Betty starts getting like these really, really bad nightmares about being brought aboard an alien spacecraft and having medical examinations done to her by aliens. And she's just like freaking out, you know, as any normal person fucking would. So then she starts telling people the story. And that, um, and so she's like telling her supervisor and her sister because clearly that's not something you can just like brush under the rug and go on about your day. Like that yeah. would fucking drive me crazy too. Exactly. So she she tells a lot of people this story, and then her supervisor basically suggests that like they might not be dreams, bitch. They actually might be like fucking flashbacks, and that you're actually remember so- remembering something that actually happened. And so, like, that gets, like, her wheels turning. Meanwhile, Barney had already um, had anxiety issues, like, before this. And he was going to see a therapist. And then, so he asked their therapist, like, what we should do. Like, this is what's happening. And the therapist suggested that um, they go to a psychiatrist to do a re- to do regression hypnosis. Ooh. Which basically is, like... Something I want to do. <laughs> it's basically, like, a... Um, they, like, hypnotize you and it's, like... Cast yourself back to this specific state and then tell me what happened. That's what kind of um, hypnosis this is. And so, under when they're as they're getting um, hypnotized, Betty and um, Barney's story is basically the same, but they're from their own viewpoints. The only difference is that Betty has a very detailed version, and Barney has a less detailed version. um, Because apparently he was put under alien control and had his eyes closed. Yeah. And I mean, he was an anxious person, so I kind of understand, you know? No, um, bitch, I'm an anxious person. You best believe my eyes going to be open the entire time. Okay, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I would not be able to close my eyes. It'd be the complete opposite. <laughs> Even when they're telling me to close my eyes, I'm, I'm going to be like, everything is. I'm going to like have one eye open, one eye closed, just like peeking around, like, what the fuck are you going to do to me? Carrie's, Show me. Carrie's double sided tape to tape the eyelids. <laughs> Get super glue and just glue my eyelids up. <laughs> what you gonna do now? Bitch, no blinking in this bitch. <laughs> uh, fooled you. <laughs> Aliens can't get me. While they're being um, hypnotized, they find, you know how they, um, they lose memory between the point that the spacecraft is hovering over them and then all of a sudden they come to 30 miles later, right? So this, the, the hypnosis is filling in that mm. 30 miles. Good. Yeah. And so when the craft is hovering above them, 
Um, Barney's saying that they're driving down the highway and then they randomly take a turn off the highway. They don't know why. And then they take another turn onto a dirt road. And on that dirt road, they're stopped by six figures in the road. (gasps) Fuck. (laughs) And they see a glowing light behind them. And both Barney and Betty are like, bitch, what the fuck is happening over here? I'm getting the chills. Aliens are real. Um, (laughs) anyways... So then, weirdly, Barney turns off the car, right? And then he can't fucking turn it on again. Which oh, is, fuck that. Right? In front of six random figures? Exactly. Hell no. Exactly. And then the figures break off into um, two groups, <gasps> and they take them from their car and through the woods onto a spacecraft, okay? Betty fucking Miss Chatty ends up talking to one of them, and the person that um, she ends up talking to um has an english accent and that alien ends up reassuring her and saying like everything's gonna be fine we'll bring you back no harm will come to you etc etc right um so they bring them aboard and separate them into different rooms so they separate barney and betty into different rooms and each of them go under undergo medical examinations at the hands of an alien that both betty and barney called the physician but the physician doesn't speak English. So, so far, there's only one alien that speaks English. Mm, okay. Yeah. And then once they're done with the examination, their memories get wiped and then come back to consciousness 30 miles down the road in Ashland, where I originally said. Um, and the weirdest thing about this is that that's basically all that happened. Like, they get on the spacecraft, they get medical examinations done, and they come to, Right. Um, the weirdest thing about this is that both Betty and Barney um, Hill describe the alien differently. Oh. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah, so weird. So Barney has this, um, Barney describes the alien as like this gray being with like a slit mouth and a small non-existent nose with big eyes and film over their mouth making these like slurpy noises like yeah like something that would legit scare you yeah and then betty miss fucking betty it over here said she was hot she literally said blue eyes deep voice (laughs) shit you single (laughs) i'm just kidding um betty sees these aliens as little guys with big noses kind of like jimmy durante who's that Exactly. Exactly. So I'm going to look it up and I'm going to show you. (laughs) Oh, his nose is really big. I see what you're saying. (laughs) Like, when I see that, I'm thinking they probably look like goblins or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so... Basically, um, they have these two different descriptions of aliens, and turns out Barney's description of the alien is what the stereotypical alien looks like today. So everything I described, you can picture in your mind because you've seen it in today's films. Interesting. Yeah. So they probably picked that up. Like pop culture probably like used that reference because they're like, this one sounds scarier. Yeah. So basically, that's what happened because um, there was this artist. His name was David Baker, and he worked with Barney and Betty um, to create sketches of these aliens. So he would um, make a sketch, send it to Betty and Barney, and Betty and Barney would give feedback. 
and then he would edit and send them back so it was kind of like modern day photoshopping and illustrating and whatnot well he's probably a sketch artist he was yeah and they still do that basically they worked with betty and barney um to create these sketches and you can find copies of these sketches at university of new hampshire library yeah you can go there and uh, look at all these too so betty is talking to one of the aliens and his name is the leader after the exam right she asks him like where did you come from and then he pulls out this 3d compass type thing called the star map oh okay yeah what can i get my hands on those (laughs) well keep listening i'll tell you (laughs) um betty asks which so she asks like once he pulls out the star map like betty asks like oh which one's yours and the leader basically looks at her and says well can you point out your son on this map and betty's obviously like no because we've never seen anything complex like that and um so he goes well then it doesn't make a difference if you know or not um and then he puts away the map okay rude yeah jerk and then so she's like telling the hypnotist these things and so the hypnotist basically tells her to draw the map and it looks like like 21 like different sizes of like dots and circles um and they're connected with lines like some are connected with two lines some are connected with one line so it kind of looks like a galaxy interesting yeah and um there's this woman her name is majori fish and Years later, um, in 1968, she thinks she can use this drawing of the star map to figure out where these aliens came from. How? Basically, what she does is she puts black paper or fabric on her, like, on her walls, like in the living room and shit, and then she hangs a string with a bead on it with precise measurements and basically makes the replica of a galaxy so like this was before the computer times so she would like take maps of the stars whatever like access she has to that she used that to create like a replica and she and she would like take pictures at a different angle and see if she can make it match up with betty's and there was a few trial and error and so once there was these new um, stars that were discovered and so once she added those in after a few tries it matches exactly with betty's star map and basically what they come to find is that the aliens came from this place called zeta reticuli where the fuck is that which is a binary star system that majority thinks that um eventually could sustain a planet that could have life and get this is that in our universe or is that like no it's like further out yeah Um, and turns out you can see this picture that Betty drew also in the New Hampshire, um, library, the University of New Hampshire library. I know where we're going on vacation. Yeah, they have, like, this, um, special edition, like, section of the museum and everything is in there according to, like, this Betty and Barney Hill case. That's cool. Yeah. So this is basically, and I fucking believed them. Wow, that was really interesting. Right? I was, well, like, at the beginning, remember when I said, like, I had no idea about this case? I was shook. Yeah. No, I think that, I think that's freaking scary. Yeah. And in the 60s? Like, wow. I know. And I know with, like, alien abductions, it's so, like, common to lose track of time, you Mm -hmm. know? And that's, like, terrifying. That idea is just terrifying to me because it's, like, what the hell happened in that missing part of time? Or, like, I've heard of, like, alien abductions where, like, somebody was in one location, they lose track of time, and then they're, like, in a different state. 
That's crazy. And it's like humanly impossible to travel within that amount of time frame to get to that area. It's just like insanely wild. Weird. It's super oh, scary. Oh shit. Oh my god. I totally, I don't know if you know this, but the dress that Betty wore mm-hmm. is also in the same museum. Oh. In the same library. Yeah. With the with the um, cut in her dress. It's like right here on her chest. Do they have any like punctures or markings left behind after like their like alien abduction? Um, just like this, just whatever I mentioned with like the scuffs on the shoes and like the... But not on their actual bodies? No. Oh. They didn't have anything on their bodies. Interesting. Yeah. They just like, they had more um, psychological issues. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> right? Um, so for my story, we're going to take this back a couple of years to 1947 Ooh. in a t- little teeny tiny town in New Mexico called Roswell. So there was a rancher by the name of William Brazel. Mm-hmm who one night was asleep in his bed. There was this crazy thunderstorm that was happening and he heard this loud explosion-like sound. But he was like, okay, it's raining really it's raining really badly. I'm just going to check it out in the morning. So he wakes up the next day. Him and his son are actually working at that ranch. It's called J.B. Foster Ranch. And it's located 75 miles north of Roswell. He wakes up, he starts doing his normal duties with the sun, you know, and whatever ranchers do. <laughs> and we wouldn't know. <laughs> and uh, he comes across a large area of bright, like colorful bright wreckage. What? So whatever the fuck that means, I don't know. But it was described as bright wreckage. So I'm thinking it was probably like metallic. Yeah, glowing. Yeah. yeah. Um, some type of like material and it included what looked like rubber strips tin foil tough paper like okay what's tough paper and sticks (laughs) so around this time just to give a little bit of background information there were a ton of ufo sightings that were happening in the nation and the term flying saucer had barely been introduced so this was like i mean you were saying like this your story was kind of like what popular culture created mm-hmm. the idea of what an alien abduction is like well this story is like what created the idea of a flying saucer oh okay <laughs> so they were using the term flying saucer but nobody really knew what it meant okay at the time um and tell this story and then it became tied to uh ufos in that year alone don't quote me on this but i believe in that year alone there were like 300 different ufo sightings but but in the history's defense not all of them were probably aliens this was also around the time of world war ii so many new technologies were being introduced at the time and we also had like the fear of spies like you know looking at what we're doing and stuff just a very sketchy time for the u.s and like at the also at that time like aliens weren't really something commonly spoken about Mm -hmm. it wasn't like something that people in their minds like thought like was possible to say so it so they were just like deeming things in the sky as like ufos blah blah um but this guy william brazel he discovers this wreckage at his ranch that he's working at and something weird about this wreckage was that the animals didn't even want to be near it like they would like keep their distance they're really sketched out by it their spidey senses were tingling yeah that's weird animals always fucking know they have an intuition yeah so this the date that this happened is a little hard to tell because there's different timelines online but the the day he discovered this wreckage was quote unquote between 
like late June to really early July. Okay. On July 4th, uh, Brazel starts hearing about quote unquote flying discs that people are seeing and decides to collect some of his debris with his wife and kids and take it over to the sheriff named George Wilcox. And at the time, because like, again, like aliens weren't something that people talked about, but like all these UFO sightings were happening, there was talk about there being a potential reward for anyone that discovered an unidentified aerial object. He was like, oh, maybe I found one. So let me just like pack it up and take it over there. So that's the reason why he even like did something about it. He didn't even like go to it for a while. Like he did his normal duties. He saw it happened. And then the next day, him and his, like, family went and, like, scavenged through the wreckage. There was no sense of urgency There was no it. sense of urgency. And it was kind of like, it's a small town, so they were kind of just like, okay, that's weird, you mm-hmm. know? It wasn't like today. Like, today, if we saw something like that, we'd be like, okay, that's a fucking UFO. Yeah. Call the government. Call someone. <laughs> July 4th, Brazel hears about the flying discs. And thinks, okay, I can possibly get a reward out of this because I think I found one. And then on... Then he goes out there with his family and his, and picks up picks up some of the debris and puts it in boxes. And then on July 7th, he takes it over to Sheriff Wilcox. And then Wilcox contacts the Roswell Air Force Base. Because I guess in Roswell, there's a pretty large Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think it's like one of the things that like the town is known for. Oh, okay. okay. Um, so he contacts the Air Force Base and tells a man named Colonel William Blanchard that you know there's this wreckage found blah 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 and he sends an investigation officer named jesse marcel to investigate the scene and the reason why i'm giving all these names is because they're all like really key players in all this (laughs) so just follow along with me (laughs) so blanchard 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 um tells jesse to go investigate jesse marcel he's yeah he's like okay jesse go out there and find what they have and then the next day so this happened july 7th on july 8th Roswell Army Airfield, so the Air Force, issues a press release stating that they found a flying disc and they were in possession of it. So they announced, okay, like, we did it. We're the first ones to do it. Blah, blah, Woo, look at us. You know? Because mm-hmm. like I said, like, people didn't know what they were and there was, like, a lot of talk about if you find one, you get an award. It was just, like, a big accomplishment to be like, well, we're the first ones to find it. So that's kind of what they put out there. Okay. And then the Roswell Daily Record, the newspaper for Roswell, also reported it. Now let's go back to the scene of the wreckage where Jesse Marcel's at. Mm-hmm. He's like going through the debris. He's collecting some of the debris. And then on his way back to the airfield, he makes a pit stop to his home. And he shows his 10-year-old son, he, Jesse Jr. He's like, hey, son, like, look at what I found. And he pops open his trunk and there's some of the debris in boxes in his trunk. And later on goes on to admit, like does an interview many, many years later. Um, when he's like really old and says what he found. So he says that that night that he saw a small beam with hieroglyphic like markings on it. And then um, as an adult, Jesse Jr. spent a lot of time throughout his life doing like TV appearances, documentaries, radio shows and lectures about the stuff that his father had shown him that day. And then his wife, like Jesse Marcel Jr.'s wife, also told reporters and stuff that like everything he always said was true. Like he never made it up. Like this was like exactly how he remembered it. Hmm. So his story like never changed. His story never changed. Okay. That gives him a lot of credibility. Yeah, lots. So now we're going back to 1947. The very next day after press release is done, 
and the news is out there that they found a wreckage. Government scientists arrive at the scene and they're like, you know what? This is not a UFO. This is not alien intelligence. This is a weather balloon. So they completely squash the whole flying disc theory. And they're like, this is a weather balloon. Case closed, right? Then we fast forward many, 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 many years later to 1978. Wow. 30 fucking years later. 30 years later. And we meet a nuclear physicist, author, and UFO researcher named Stanton Friedman, who interviewed Jesse Marcel, the man who investigated the wreckage and showed his son. Mm -hmm. So he interviews him about what was really discovered that day in Roswell. And Jesse Marcel is like super old, right? So he's like, fuck it, I'm just gonna come out and say what I knew. Yeah. So he Jess- got nothing left to lose. He got nothing <laughs> to lose, yeah. So Jesse confesses that the findings were definitely from out of this world and that the government had ordered him to stay quiet. <gasps> Shut the fuck up. Yeah. And something that you'll notice from this um, story in general is that there's a lot of witnesses. And a lot of them were coerced by the government to keep silent for many years. And like, wow. I don't go into detail about like what they said, but a lot of the reports did say that the government would like threaten to send them out into the desert and they would never be able to come back home. Basically like threatening their lives. There's some shit. There's some weird wow. shady shit happening. So back to the story. Friedman interviews Marcel, finds out that Marcel believes that this was not a weather balloon. It was actually alien stuff. And then Friedman also goes and visits other witnesses, both army and civilian witnesses, and speaks with them, gets their input, and eventually publishes his findings in 1980 called The Roswell Incident. This, it's a book. You can actually buy it on Amazon. I actually thought about doing it, but I was like, there's no way I can read this all before this episode, <laughs> so whatever. But basically, the report talks about all his findings and what he discovered and his own thought process and eventually deems it as a cover-up and saying this was not a weather balloon the government lied this was actually aliens and then we jump forward nine years in an episode of unsolved mysteries airs that features the roswell incident in it and a man named glenn dennis calls a hotline shortly after watching that episode and states that he had a friend who was a nurse at the Roswell Army Airfield during the time in 1947 who claims to have seen three alien bodies. So, oh, so my God, let's preface that Glenn Davis, this man that calls the hotline at that time, he was 22 years old in 1947. Okay, so he's much older now. All these people that are eventually talking, they're much older now. Mm -hmm. In 1947, Glenn Davis used to be a mortician. And around that time frame, in July of 1947, recalls receiving inquiries from the Air Force base in Roswell asking for childlike coffins and asking for procedure on how to embalm bodies that have been exposed to weather for days. So weird inquiries that you're getting from the Air Force, like why the fuck do they need coffins for children? You know, makes no sense, right? And then who have encountered weird weathering for days? Like they, when he says that, he means like they were outside much longer after like they passed away because when you die, like you're going to decomposition, and sometimes like depending on how long the days you've been you know, outside, oh. and they haven't been stored in somewhere cool, the decomposition, gotcha. you know, is in different stages. Okay. So that's kind of what he was referring to. That's suspicious. <laughs> 
so let's go back to that nurse that Dennis prefaced in his hotline confession, right? So Dennis recalls, and this is like coming from a interview that he did Mm -hmm. at that time. So Dennis recalls one night running into this nurse and she was in complete hysterics. They don't give us the name, but she was in complete hysterics and said that she was aiding a doctor performing autopsies on quote unquote strange looking small bodies at the Air Force that night. And then immediately after she told him the story, like a day later, she gets transferred out of Roswell and is flown to England. And they're like, okay, we gotta get rid of her. She knows too much, right? Shortly later, Dennis learns that the plane that she was on crashed and (gasps) she died. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, and because of- Fuck the government. Fuck the government. Because the, because Dennis knew about this, like how about her getting killed off, Mm -hmm. he was so afraid to even talk about it. So he didn't even mention a word about what he knew until 1990. Crazy. Just to keep himself safe and keep himself out of harm's way. I mean, I, I understand. Oh, yeah. I would have done the same motherfucking thing, Dennis. I get you, boo-boo. And it just makes you wonder, like, okay, if Dennis kept his quiet mouth shut for so many years, imagine all the other people that also did just out of fear of what the government would have done. You know, I'm sure this nurse wasn't the only one that got killed off by the government. Yeah. So now that was around 1990. Now we're in 1994. We're jumping around a lot, so I hope you're still here with me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The U.S. Air Force releases an official statement stating that that weather balloon theory that they came out with back in the day was actually not true and that it was um not a alien encounter either but it was a top secret project that flew microphones on high altitude balloons they were trying to capture soviet atomic bombs that they could detect in like the area And that was called Project Mogul, which is said to have run between 1947 to 1949. And people were like, well, you know, that's not possible because some witnesses also said, like, we saw alien bodies, like, in the sky, like, falling and shit. Mm -hmm. So then the government was like, oh, those weren't aliens. Those were dummies. We were just trying to test how uh, pilots can survive high altitude drops in situations, like, if their plane crashed, you know? And their alleged story only came out because there was a lot of speculation about it being a cover-up after the, the Roswell incident report comes out that mm. Friedman created, right? So then there's so many people being like, you're right, you're right, you're right, I don't believe this. And then the government's like, you know what? You don't believe my original story, so I'm just going to create a new story that's even more believable that seems like it could be make more sense with yeah. the wreckage that was found and the witness reports. So basically covering it up. Yeah. All Sade. It didn't help them at all. It made them look even worse, honestly. (laughs) And I think it's important to note that there were many military, like intelligent military personnel that um, were interviewed at the airbase and all but one admitted that it was alien origin. Then another thing to know about Project Mogul mission, the one that was supposed to go over Roswell was called Project Mogul Flight Number 4. And... Uh, if you look back in the records, it actually showed that that flight was canceled. So it wasn't even supposed to take off. So it was just like a stupid excuse. Wow. Yeah. You think they, if they're making shit up, like you think they'd cover all their bases? Yeah, but I mean, back then they also, like, it was a different time too. You know, they didn't have oh. internet. So it's like easy to just be like, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. News media report on it. And then everyone else just take it all in. Yeah, that's you know. true. Another person that's a really big 
key witness in this story is Frankie Rowe. So Frankie Rowe was about 12 years old at the time that this happened. And her father was a firefighter who had been involved with the crash in a sense. And he had told her that he described the creatures that were found as little bodies. And then she claims that she saw and touched the actual debris from the crash and was told to be quiet by the state. Like they visited her and her family and they were like, if you say anything, like we will get rid of you. Oh my so God. she was like threatened to be quiet. But her story is that she was visiting her father at the fire station that night when a officer of the state came by and he had took a piece of metal that was found at the crash site and put it into his pocket. Like, so he wasn't supposed to take it, but he like sneakily took it with him. And she was the only one that saw? No, no, no. Okay. And so he goes to the fire station and she's there visiting her father. So she's seeing all this happen as mm-hmm. a 12-year-old. And this this officer's like, oh my God, like look at this thing that I found at the crash site, blah, blah. Like this metal is so weird. And he tossed the metal object onto the f- table that they were sitting around. And w- they watched it unfold itself in fluid motion. And they all what the fuck? Yeah, and they all took turns turns examining the metal and um, concluded that it couldn't be cut, burned, or made to remain in any specific shape besides its original form. So it was some weird material. And remember how I said like he wasn't in any rush to take it to the police. I think around that time word got around, so people were coming to visit and be like, "What the hell is this?" Mm-hmm. You know, before the actual authorities got there and were able to take it away. So. Numerous civilians who have been interviewed that visited the crash site remembered seeing corpses of small, hairless beings with large heads and round, oddly spaced eyes. A civil engineer at the time named Barney Barnett, who was employed by the federal government, also confirmed to seeing small alien bodies with the same exact description as the many civilians. He said they were small, hairless, really large heads, and oddly shaped eyes. Then most eyewitness accounts also claim to seeing at least five alien bodies on the site. Most of them were dead. I think some people say one of them was still alive. Huh. And Sheriff Wilcox, remember him? He was yeah. the sheriff that Razzle went to. Yeah. Um, his granddaughter even later recounted him telling her that he had seen little space beings that night. Okay. Oh my God. So a lot of, there's a lot of eyewitness accounts, a lot of similar stories coming from multiple people. And a lot of people were forced to be hushed. Um, And a lot of this information didn't come out till much later. But what do you think? Do you believe it? Yes. There's not, there's no way like so many people can have the same fucking story. Yeah. And you still can't believe it. These are like, and not even just like regular civilians. These are higher up military personnel. They're not like idiots they're smart Mm -hmm. intelligent people and if they're saying this isn't a weather balloon and i'm sure they've seen multiple especially with this project mogul going around yeah and how like the flight that was supposed to go over roswell didn't even go over roswell yeah Yeah. it's crazy a lot of cover-ups happening um but it's safe to say most people do not believe the government's cover-up for it they all believe it really was um aliens and ufo sightings there's also rumors that and i don't know how this is so don't quote me on this but mm-hmm. there's some reports saying that like 
there were most of the aliens were dead and then one of them was alive and they took that alien and they shipped it off to another military base to do testing and stuff on so where the fuck was this information in the report fuck. that came out this year for real i got a question Declassified that one <laughs> So, yeah, that's the story of the Roswell incident. And this town used this, like, uh, crash, this UFO crash, uh, and turned it into a huge tourist attraction. So now this town, this little baby town in New Mexico. Get your coin, sis. Get your coin. (laughs) This little town um, in New Mexico is (laughs) completely swept up with the alien theories that have been passed around in generations there so they have giant alien statues at their dunkin donuts oh my god <laughs> they even have a mcdonald's that's shaped as a flying saucer shut up <laughs> the town's labeled as the ufo capital of the world there's <laughs> even an international ufo museum and research center and this is the best part they have an annual ufo festival the next one is july 1st in 2022 bitch and you pack your bags because we're fucking going <laughs> Roswell, we come for you. <laughs> uh, God damn, that's crazy. Crazy. The town was like, we finna secure the bag. They're like, hey, you government people, you can bury this story in your own fucking books and files, but we're gonna keep this shit alive. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna make sure people know this fucking happened. Our motherfucking McDonald's about to look like a UFO. <laughs> <laughs> that's the story of the Roswell incident. That's I, crazy. I think it's such a head scratcher because it's like, you don't really know, but it's really fishy how Airbase, after knowing about this crash and seeing some of the debris, released a statement and then recounted it later. Yeah. After government scientists showed up, quote unquote, you know, mm-hmm. aka they were sent to fucking debunk the story. But there's so many alien encounter stories, like so many. We could spend hours just going through we all of them. We could probably create a new whole new podcast we talking solely about can. alien encounters. I remember I heard this one story that's dated like, Kind of around this time where there was this like, guy in Canada who came across like an alien spaceship and touched it and like this weird thing shooted out at him, punctured his chest, and he had those marks for the rest of his life. Fuck. And like there's pictures of it and stuff. You know, but it's like things like this the government covers up and doesn't talk about, but I don't know. I What do you guys think? I believe aliens are real. I believe where there's smoke, there's fire. That's my theory. Yeah. So if so many people are coming up with stories one of them is bound to be true yeah also i just think that like you cannot how are you alive on this planet and there is all this space that hasn't even discovered and you're stupid enough to think that there's nothing out there yeah like us or even better and total denial right like and that's just like the problem with like the human you know species is that we're just we have such big egos mm -hmm. that we genuinely think we're better than everyone and there's no way that anyone can be smart as us like us whatsoever we're superior but it's like honey we're probably on the bottom of the totem yeah newsflash the earth is still ghetto (laughs) other we're from still look at us and laugh we're we're the streets that people claim they're We're literally killing our planet i don't think we're the superior species in any way fuck no um there's no way but yeah this was fun and you know this was the first episode to kick off october aka spooky season this is sun season y'all this is my season halloween is my holiday it's <laughs> my favorite time of the year i just come alive around this time and this whole month we have some really awesome spooky-esque stories mm-hmm. lined up for you guys and this alien 
encounter story was definitely the best one to kick off this yep. month with. But stay tuned because it's going to get way more interesting and we're going to have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it as much as we like creating the content, honestly. <laughs> and until next time, guys. Thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. Bye. Bye.